Section 10 of Animal Heroes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. Animal Heroes by Ernest Thompson Sutton. Little Warhorse, The History of a Jack Rabbit, Part 1. The Little Warhorse knew practically all the dogs in town. First, there was a very large brown dog that had pursued him many times. A dog that he always got rid of by slipping through a hole in a board fence. Second, there was a small active dog that could follow through the hole, and him he baffled by leaping a twenty-foot irrigation ditch that had steep sides and a swift current. The dog could not make this leap. It was sure medicine for that foe and the boys still call the place Old Jackie's Jump. But there was a greyhound that could leap better than the jack, and when he could not follow through a fence, he jumped over it. He tried the war horse's mettle more than once, and Jackie only saved himself by his quick dodging till they got to an osage hedge, and here the greyhound had to give it up. Besides these, there was in town a rabble of big and little dogs that were troublesome, but easily left behind in the open. In the country, there was a dog at each farmhouse, but only one that the warhorse really feared. That was a long-legged, fierce black dog, a brute so swift and pertinacious that he had several times forced the warhorse almost to the last extremity. For the town cats, he cared little. Only once or twice had he been threatened by them. A huge tomcat, flushed with many victories, came crawling up to where he fed one moonlight night. Jack Warhorse saw the black creature with the glowing eyes, and a moment before the final rush, he faced it, raised up on his haunches, his hind legs at full length on his toes, with his broad ears towering up yet six inches higher, then letting out a loud chur-chur, his best attempt at a roar. He sprang five feet forward and landed on the cat's head, driving in his sharp hind nails, and the old tom fled in terror, from the weird two-legged giant. This trick he had tried several times with success, but twice it turned out a sad failure. Once, when the cat proved to be a mother whose kittens were near, then Jack Warhorse had to flee for his life, and the other time was when he made the mistake of landing hard on a skunk. But the greyhound was the dangerous enemy, and in him the warhorse might have found his fate, but for a curious adventure with a happy ending for Jack. He fed by night, there were fewer enemies about then, and it was easier to hide. But one day at dawn, in winter, he had lingered long at an alfalfa stack, and was crossing the open snow toward his favorite form, when, as ill luck would have it, he met the greyhound prowling outside the town. With open snow and growing daylight, there was no chance to hide, nothing but a run in the open with soft snow that hindered Jack more than it did the hound. Off they went superb runners in fine fettle. How they skimmed across the snow, raising it in little puff-puff-puffs, each time their nimble feet went down. This way and that, swerving and dodging, went the chase. Everything favored the dog. His empty stomach, the cold weather, the soft snow. While the rabbit was handicapped by his heavy meal of alfalfa, but his feet went puff-puff, so fast that a dozen of the little snow jets were in view at once. The chase continued in the open. No friendly hedge was near, and every attempt to reach a fence was cleverly stopped by the hound, 
Jack's ears were losing their bold-up cock, a sure sign of failing heart or wind, when all at once these flags went stiffly up. As under sudden renewal of strength, the war-horse put forth all his power, not to reach the hedge to the north, but over the open prairie eastward. The greyhound followed, and within fifty yards the jack dodged to foil his fierce pursuer. But on the next tack he was on his eastern course again, and so tacking and dodging he kept the line direct for the next farmhouse, where was a very high board fence with a hen-hole, and where also there dwelt in his other hated enemy, the big black dog. An outer hedge delayed the greyhound for a moment, and gave Jack time to dash through the hen-hole into the yard, where he hid to one side. The greyhound rushed around to the low gate, leaped over that among the hens, and as they fled cackling and fluttering, some lambs bleated loudly. Their natural guardian, the big black dog, ran to the rescue, and Warhorse slipped out again by the hole at which he had entered. Horrible sounds of dog hate and fury were heard behind him in the hen-yard, and soon the shouts of men were added. How it ended he did not know or seek to learn, but it was remarkable that he never afterward was troubled by the swift greyhound that formerly lived in Newchison, too. Hard times and easy times had long followed in turn and been taken as matters of course. But recent years in the state of Cascado had brought to the jackrabbits a succession of remarkable ups and downs. In the old days they had their endless fight with birds and beasts of prey, with cold and heat, with pestilence and with flies whose sting bred a loathsome disease, and yet had held their own. But the settling of the country by farmers made many changes. Dogs and guns arriving in numbers reduced the ranks of coyotes, foxes, wolves, badgers, and hawks that preyed on the jack, so that in a few years the rabbits were multiplied in great swarms, but now pestilence broke out and swept them away. Only the strongest, the double-seasoned, remained for a while. A jack-rabbit was a rarity, but during this time another change came in. The Osage-orange hedges planted everywhere afforded a new refuge, and now the safety of a jackrabbit was less often his speed than his wits, and the wise ones, when pursued by a dog or coyote, would rush to the nearest hedge through a small hole and escape while the enemy sought for a larger one by which to follow. The coyotes rose to this and developed the trick of the relay chase. In this one coyote takes one field, another the next, and if the rabbit attempts the hedge ruse, they work from each side and usually win their prey. The rabbit remedy for this is keen eyes to see the second coyote, avoidance of that field, van good legs to distance the first enemy. Thus the jackrabbits, after being successively numerous, scarce in myriads, and rare, were now again on the increase, and those which survived, selected by a hundred hard trials, were enabled to flourish where their ancestors could not have outlived a single season. Their favorite grounds were not the broad open stretches of the big ranches, but the complicated, much-fenced fields of the farms, where these were so small and close as to be like a big straggling village. One of these vegetable villages had sprung up around the railway station of Newchison. The country a mile away was well supplied with jackrabbits of the new and selected stock. Among them was a little lady rabbit called Bright Eyes, from her leading characteristic as she sat gray in the gray brush. She was a good runner, but was especially successful with the fence play that baffled the coyotes. She made her nest out in an open pasture, an untouched tract of the ancient prairie. 
Here her brood was born and raised. One, like herself, was bright-eyed, in coat of silver-gray, partly gifted with her ready wits, but in the other there appeared a rare combination of his mother's gifts, with the best that was in the best strain of the new jackrabbits of the plains. This was the one whose adventures we have been following, the one that later on the turf won the name of Little Warhorse, and that afterward achieved a world-wide fame. Ancient tricks of his kind he revived and put to new uses, and ancient enemies he learned to fight with new-found tricks. When a mere baby he discovered a plan that was worthy of the wisest rabbit in Cascado, he was pursued by a horrible little yellow dog, and he tried in vain to get rid of him by dodging among the fields and farms. This is good play against a coyote, because the farmers and the dogs will often help the jack, without knowing it, by attacking the coyote. But now the plan did not work at all, for the little dog managed to keep after him through one fence after another, and Jack Warhorse, not yet full-grown, much less seasoned, was beginning to feel the strain. His ears were no longer up straight, but angling back and at times drooping to a level as he darted through a very little hole in an osage hedge, only to find that his nimble enemy had done the same without loss of time. In the middle of the field was a small herd of cattle, and with them a calf. There is in wild animals a curious impulse to trust any stranger when in desperate straits. The foe behind they know means death. There is just a chance, and the only one left, that the stranger may prove friendly. And it was this last desperate chance that drew Jack Warhorse to the cows. It is quite sure that the cows would have stood by in stolid indifference, so far as the rabbit was concerned. But they have a deep-rooted hatred of a dog, and when they saw the yellow cur coming bounding toward them, their tails and noses went up. They sniffed angrily, then closed up ranks, and led by the cow that owned the calf, they charged at the dog, while Jack took refuge under a low thorn bush. The dog swerved aside to attack the calf, at least the old cow thought he did, and she followed him so fiercely that he barely escaped from that field with his life. It was a good old plan, one that doubtless came from the days when buffalo and coyote played the parts of cow and dog. Jack never forgot it, and more than once it saved his life. In color as well as in power, he was a rarity. Animals are colored in one or other of two general plans. One that matches them with their surroundings and helps them to hide. This is called protective. The other that makes them very visible for several purposes. This is called directive. Jackrabbits are peculiar in being painted both ways. As they squat in their form in the gray brush or clods, they are soft gray on their ears, head, back, and sides. They match the ground and cannot be seen until close at hand. They are protectively colored. But the moment it is clear to the jack that the approaching foe will find him, he jumps up and dashes away. He throws off all disguise now. The gray seems to disappear. He makes a lightning change, and his ears show snowy white with black tips. The legs are white. His tail is a black spot in a blaze of white. He is a black and white rabbit now. His coloring is all directed. How is it done? Very simply. The front side of the ear is gray, the back black and white. The black tail with its white halo and the legs are tucked below. He is sitting on them. The gray mantle is pulled down and enlarged as he sits. But when he jumps up it shrinks somewhat. All his black and gray marks are now shown. And just as his colors formerly whispered, I'm a clod, they now shout aloud, I'm a jackrabbit. Why should he do this? Why should a timid creature running for his life thus proclaim to all the world his name instead of trying to hide? 
there must be some good reason it must pay or the rabbit would never have done it the answer is the creature that scared him up was one of his own kind for example this was a false alarm then at once by showing his national colors the mistake is made right on the other hand if it be a coyote fox or dog they see at once this is a jackrabbit and know that it would be a waste of time for them to pursue him they say in effect this is a jackrabbit and i cannot catch a jack in open race they give it up and that of course saves the jack a great deal of unnecessary running and worry the black and white spots are the national uniform and flag of the jacks in poor specimens they are apt to be dull but in the finest specimens they are not only larger but brighter than usual and the little warhorse gray when he sat in his form blazed like charcoal and snow when he flung his defiance to the fox and buff coyote and danced with little effort before them first a black and white jack then a little white spot last a speck of thistledown before the distance swallowed him many of the farmer's dogs had learned the lesson a grayish rabbit you may catch but a very black and white one is hopeless they might indeed follow for a time but that was merely for the fun of a chivy and his growing power often led warhorse to seek the chase for the sake of a little excitement and to take hazards that others less gifted were most careful to avoid jack like all other wild animals had a certain range or country which was home to him and outside of this he rarely strayed it was about three miles across extending easterly from the centre of the village scattered through this he had a number of forms or beds as they are locally called these were mere hollows situated under a sheltering bush or bunch of grass without lining excepting the accidental grass and inblown leaves but comfort was not forgotten some of them were for hot weather they faced the north were scarcely sunk were little more than shady places some for the cold weather were deep hollows with southern exposure and others for the wet were well roofed with herbage and faced the west in one or other of these he spent the day and at night he went forth to feed with his kind sporting and romping on the moonlight nights like a lot of puppy dogs but careful to be gone by sunrise and safely tucked in a bed that was suited to the weather the safest ground for the jacks was among the farms where not only osage hedges but also the newly arrived barbed wire made hurdles and hazards in the path of possible enemies but the finest of the forage is nearer to the village among the truck farms the finest of forage and the fiercest of dangers some of the dangers of the plains were lacking but the greater perils of men guns dogs and impassable fences are much increased yet those who knew warhorse best were not at all surprised to find that he had made a form in the middle of a market gardener's melon patch a score of dangers beset him here but there was also a score of unusual delights and a score of holes in the fence for times when he had to fly with at least two score of expedients to help him afterward three Nuchizen was a typical western town everywhere in it were to be seen strenuous efforts of uglification crowned with unmeasured success the streets were straight level lanes without curves or beauty spots the houses were cheap and mean structures of flimsy boards and tar paper and not even honest in their ugliness for each of them was pretending to be something better than itself one had a false front to make it look like two stories another was of imitation brick a third pretended to be a marble temple but all agreed in being the ugliest things ever used as human dwellings and in each could be read the owner's secret thought to stand it for a year or so then move out somewhere else 
the only beauties of the place and those unintentional were the long lines of hand-planted shade trees uglified as far as possible with whitewashed trunks and croppy heads but still lovable growing living things the only building in town with a touch of picturesqueness was the grain elevator it was not posing as a greek temple or a swiss chalet but simply a strong rough honest grain elevator at the end of each street with a vista of the prairie with its farmhouses windmill pumps and long lines of osage orange hedges here at least was something of interest the gray-green hedges thick sturdy and high were dotted with her golden mock oranges useless fruit but more welcome here than rain in a desert for those balls were things of beauty and swung on their long tough boughs they formed with the soft green leaves a color cord that pleased the weary eye such a town is a place to get out of as soon as possible so thought the traveller who found himself laid over here for two days in late winter he asked after the sights of the place a white muskrat stuffed in a case down to the saloon old backy bullen who had been scalped by the indians forty years ago and a pipe once smoked by kit carson proved unattractive so he turned toward the prairie still white with snow a mark among the numerous dog tracks caught his eye it was the track of a large jack-rabbit he asked a passerby if there were any rabbits in town no i reckon not i never seen none was the answer a mill-hand gave the same reply but a small boy with a bundle of newspapers said you bet there is lots of them out there on the prairie and they come in town a-plenty why there's a big big feller lives right round c calb's melon patch oh an awful big feller and just as black and as white as checkers and thus he sent the stranger eastward on his walk the big big awful big one was the little war-horse himself he didn't live in calb's melon patch he was there only at odd times he was not there now he was in west fronting form or bed because a raw east wind was settling in it was due east of madison avenue and as the stranger plodded that way the rabbit watched him as long as the man kept the road the jack was quiet but the road turned shortly to the north and the man by chance left it and came straight on then the jack saw trouble ahead the moment the man left the beaten track he bounded from his form and wheeling he sailed across the prairie due east a jackrabbit running from its enemy ordinarily covers eight or nine feet at a bound and once in five or six bounds it makes an observation hop leaping not along but high in the air so as to get above all herbage and bushes and take in the situation a silly young jack will make an observation hop as often as one in four and so waste a great deal of time a clever jack will make one hop in eight or nine due for observation but jack warhorse as he sped got all the information he needed in one hop out of a dozen while ten to fourteen feet were covered by each of his flying bounds yet another personal peculiarity showed in the trail he left when a cottontail or a wood hare runs his tail is curled up tight on his back and does not touch the snow when a jack runs his tail hangs down or backward with the tip curved or straight according to the individual in some it, it points straight downward and so often leaves a little stroke behind the footmarks the warhorse's tail of shining black was of unusual length and at every bound it left in the snow a long stroke so long that that alone was almost enough to tell which rabbit made the track now some rabbits seeing only a man without any dog would have felt little fear 
but warhorse remembering some former stinging experiences with a far killer fled when the foe was seventy-five yards away and skimming low he ran southeast to a fence that ran easterly behind this he went like a low-flying hawk till a mile away he reached another of his beds and here after an observation take as he stood on his heels he settled again to rest but not for long in twenty minutes his great megaphone ears so close to the ground caught a regular sound crunch 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 the tramp of a human foot and he started up to see the man with the shining stick in his hand now drawing near warhorse bounded out and away for the fence never once did he rise to a spy hop till the wire and rails were between him and his foe an unnecessary precaution as it chanced where the man was watching the trail and saw nothing of the rabbit jack skimmed along keeping low and looking out for other enemies he knew now that the man was on his track and the old instinct born of ancestral trouble with weasels was doubtless what prompted him to do the double trail he ran in a long straight course to a distant fence followed his far side for fifty yards then doubling back he retraced his trail and ran off in a new direction till he reached another of his dens or forms he had been out all night and was very ready to rest now that the sun was ablaze on the snow but he had hardly got the place a little warmed when the tramp 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 announced the enemy and he hurried away after a half-mile run he stopped on a slight rise and marked the man still following so he made a series of wonderful quirks in his trail a succession of blind zigzags that would have puzzled most trailers then running a hundred yards past a favorite form he returned to it from the other side and settled to rest sure that now the enemy would be finally thrown off the scent it was slower than before but still it came tramp 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 jack awoke but sat still the man tramped by on the trail one hundred yards in front of him and as he went on jack sprang out unseen realizing that this was an unusual occasion needing a special effort they had gone in a vast circle around the home range of the warhorse and now were less than a mile from the farmhouse of the black dog there was that wonderful board fence with the happily planned henhole it was a place of good memory here more than once he had won here especially he had baffled the greyhound these doubtless were the motive thoughts rather than any plan of playing one enemy against another and warhorse bounded openly across the snow to the fence of the big black dog the henhole was shut and warhorse not a little puzzled sneaked around to find another without success until around the front here was the gate wide open and inside lying on some boards was the big dog fast asleep the hens were setting hunched up in the warmest corner of the yard the house cat was gingerly picking her way from barn to kitchen as warhorse halted in the gateway the black form of his pursuer was crawling down the far white prairie slope jack hopped quietly into the yard a long-legged rooster that ought to have minded his own business uttered a loud cackle as he saw the rabbit hopping near the dog lying in the sun raised his head and stood up and jack's peril was dire he squatted low and turned himself into a gray clod he did it cleverly but still might have been lost but for the cat unwittingly unwillingly she saved him the black dog had taken three steps toward the war-horse though he did not know the rabbit was there and was now blocking the only way of escape from the yard when the cat came round the corner of the house and leaping to a window ledge brought a flower-pot rolling down 
by that single awkward act she disturbed the armed neutrality existing between herself and the dog she fled to the barn and of course a flying foe is all that is needed to send a dog on the warpath they passed within thirty feet of the crouching rabbit as soon as they were well gone jack turned and without even a thank you pussy he fled to the open and away on the hard beaten road the cat had been rescued by the lady of the house the dog was once more sprawling on the boards when the man on jack's trail arrived he carried not a gun but a stout stick sometimes called dog medicine and that was all that prevented the dog attacking the enemy of his prey this seemed to be the end of the trail the trick whether planned or not was the success and the rabbit got rid of his troublesome follower next day the stranger made another search for the jack and found not himself but his track he knew it by its tail marks its long leaps and few spy hops but with it and running by it was the track of a smaller rabbit here is where they meet here they chased each other in play for no signs of battle were there to be seen here they fed or sat together in the sun there they ambled side by side and here again they sported in the snow always together there was only one conclusion this was the mating season this was a pair of jackrabbits the little warhorse and his mate end of section ten